Greetings and welcome to the tribe. My name is Annika and I am your host. Um, we are podcasting from the road as we do. Uh, and this week I'm in Austin, Texas. And the way the cookie has crumbled is that I am recording this outside. And so in the background, you may hear such dulcet tones as wind blowing, traffic moving, and dogs barking. Uh, I'm also joined today in person by my trusty assistant, Alpine the Yellow Lab, who is currently eating grass. Um, so that's going really well. And yeah, that's about it. I leave today to, from Austin to go to Minnesota, and we'll be going from 80 degree weather to 40 degree weather. So I'm, you know, accepting prayers at this time. Okay, so today today's episode is called the Validation Obsession. And some of y'all might not know what this episode is actually about, judging from that title. Um, So basically today, we're talking about the obsession with the question, but what will they think? Like, but what what will my parents say or what will all the people think? That's that's the whole thing that we're going to talk about with validation is what what will these other people think about me? Uh, So let's just start by talking about what validation is. Um, And then we'll get into why I think this validation obsession is a bad thing. And then we'll talk a little bit about where do we go from here. Um, So starting out, the way that I think about validation is that it's the relationship between the inside of our mind and the people around us. So validation is about, again, the relationship with, of the the relationship that the inside of our mind has with the people around us. It's not about our necessarily about our actual relationship with them um, necessarily, but the inside of our mind and like how everything's going on in there and how that's connecting to the people around us, not necessarily our actions or our words. I hope this makes sense. So then I also did a little bit of, um, of Googling of what the, you know, did my happy friend, little Merriam-Webster, got our definition of validation or validating um, from Merriam-Webster. And we start off, says to, you know, make legally valid or to grant official sanction to by marking. Um, And then another definition is to support or corroborate on a sound or authoritative basis. So to support Um, someone from a position of authority um, supporting or corroborating you. And then this one is what I think is most interesting. The last one is to recognize, establish, or illustrate the worthiness or legitimacy of. So when we are seeking validation, we are seeking someone or something to recognize, establish, or illustrate the worthiness or legitimacy of ourselves. Whoa. Okay. So basically, validation is when we seek for something to deem us worthy. Um, I have done a, well, we'll get to this, but I've done another episode, so you're going to want to flag it, um, last year about self-worth and enoughness. And I go into, in that episode, I go into a lot of the inner struggle of, of finding enoughness within yourself. And what we're talking about today, then, is the social side of it, is us going to others and seeking that validation, us going to others and asking them to, and their authority to support or corroborate us 
um, to recognize um, our legitimacy and our worthiness. So that's why we get that's how we get to this idea of the obsession of, but what will they think? You know, these outside people. But what? But what will they think? Um, and we also need to address. I think before we get to the idea to the question of why is why is validation obsession? Why is this bad? Um, the answer why is it, why is this obsession bad is like all of the reasons. Um, but before we, we get there, we need to talk about um, where this came from. Like, where has this historically come from? So sometimes this is referred to as groupthink. Um, sort of like, what is everybody else in the group doing? And how do I fit in? And what, how can I make sure that I stay a part of the group? And it started as a survival mechanism for hunter-gatherers. And the earliest, and, and also you can see it um, pretty prevalently in the animal kingdom of... I, I literally have to fit in with the tribe. I have to um, fit in with the group in order to have access to food and to shelter and to safety. If you think about it, um, if you're living with a nomadic tribe, you know, hundreds of thousands of years ago, etc., uh, and you are the one odd person out you, you, and you're shunned from the group, for whatever reason, suddenly you're out in the wild with wild buffalo and mountain lions and bears. And so it's like literally in us for protection. We're, we're hardwired um, to, to kind of subscribe to groupthink um, for survival. Um, and I think even as, even as we evolved in society and started creating structures, even in feudal society, uh, when there was no equality or autonomy, I'm thinking like Middle Ages Europe right now, um, you must uh, submit to whoever your um, feudal prince was in the, in the region. You were constantly under threat of, if I do not fit in with the, the given um, customs of the time, if I don't, if those things, then this person can kick me out and suddenly I have nothing. Um, and this is where I want to like take a pause and talk about something that's really important, which is that this still exists for millions of people around the world today. So I'm talking about this from a place of serious, white, straight, cis, um, middle income privilege. So there, for the longest time, so like we're going to walk into a conversation about marginalized groups and safety and security and validation right now. Get excited. Um, so let's, just, let's start by talking about women. So for the longest time, women needed to constantly take this into consideration just to stay alive. And we are now moving into an era where women do not constantly have to seek um, and modify their behavior based on the preferences and or actions of men around them. Um, if you think, you know, like my grandmother needed to look a certain way, needed to try to find a certain job um, in order to fit into society and find a husband so that she could have a life and not live with her parents forever. It Living on her own and having autonomy was not, not a... <laughs> 
Sorry, the dog's tail is wagging. We're having this really serious conversation about marginalization and privilege, and I'm petting a giant lab with a really loud tail. Okay, sorry. Um, women needing to take this into consideration just to stay alive. So in many places, women still do, right? Um, child brides across um, different continents who are in arranged marriages where they need to subscribe to specific standards and be validated by those standards in order to be deemed worthy to have access to safety and security and shelter and food for the rest of their life. That, that still happens in many places. And if we can understand that that happens in many places for women, then we can understand that that still happens for many um, many people of different identities across America um, for, and I'm not going to speak for those identities because I am not them, but um, in similar ways that women for safety have needed to conform to society and to standards um, in order to have access, um, different identities, people of color, LGBT, immigrants, persons living with disabilities, there is a societal standard that they that many people within those identities must conform to in order to attain any level of security, of success, of literal like physical stability. Um, and and like I said, I, I can't speak for those identities, but I want to be very clear of where I'm coming from and that this is not universal and that I speak from, I'm starting this conversation from a place of privilege. And to help listeners who might also be listening from a place of privilege understand that this is a deeply ingrained practice, um, whether it's on a biological level of helping us survive um, or to a societal level of the way that there are systems set up, systems of oppression across society for thousands of years, this is really ingrained. So I'm going into this this whole thing so that we understand that it's something that we're not going to change overnight. These these urges within us to constantly be asking the question, what will what will people think? But what will people think? But what will people think? Um, that's not something that's going to change overnight, and that's it's okay. Um, once we we can't start working with it in a, until we really understand the full picture, and it's okay that this might be difficult to work with as well. Um, the other thing is that these these struggles um, were for val these struggles that I'm talking about now are, are more in the realm of of safety and in many cases and in many identities just struggle for validation of existence literally for like of existence and what we're going to talk about for the rest of this podcast episode is you giving yourself validation you validating you not society validating you and even if you do not receive validation from the people around you, you can still offer validation to yourself. And again, I'm not trying to make the point that um, internal validation can override external validation due to systems of oppression in any way. But yes, that is fully a different conversation and a full topic that honestly me and my identity, I'm not, I wouldn't want to be the person recording that podcast. I would you know, want to seek different perspectives on that. However, yes, that is the case. And also, we are going to talk about you validating you. We are going to talk about you validating you. Okay? Ooh, we're 11 minutes in. Here we are. Okay. So, 
why is a validation obsession bad? Why, like, why doesn't it work? All, again, all of the reasons, everything. But let's start here. So one, it reduces your ability to creatively problem solve. Because if you're acting for somebody else, you are acting in a constrained environment. You are reducing the overall number of possibilities that might be open to you. If what will they think is constantly in your head, I'm sorry, but you're going to do some freaking boring stuff with your life. Um, you're going to be doing more of what everybody else is doing. Uh, the second we kind of remove that consideration out, what will they think, what's going on, and we just let our imaginations run loose as they did when we were little kids, we have so many more creative ideas. Um, I think often the most creative and daring stuff is the stuff that you are positive everybody is going to judge and to ridicule. Um, so story time. Before I started my podcast, uh, I did a coaching certification. And in order to pay for my coaching certification, I had to crowdfund $2,000 to do it. I had no money. Um, and up until that point, I was completely horrified about what other people would think, um, particularly about me putting myself out there in the spiritual and personal growth world. Um, I think I was really convinced that my more intellectual friends would think that I was too soft or too woo-woo or weird. Um, I actually convinced myself at one point that I wouldn't get jobs in foreign policy because I had this other um, kind of like side world going on uh, and these interests and this work that I do. Um, and I'm sure some of you, uh, I'm sure some of you who listen to this podcast don't necessarily share or advertise to the people around you that you're not listening or that you are listening to it. Um, so there's this whole like intellectual smartness and then there was this like touchy-feely become happy people-ness and I really thought that they were mutually exclusive and was really judging this work that I do and this stuff that I wanted to teach and to talk about and all those things so you get it okay so at the time I genuinely I just could not figure out the right thing to do I knew that I was interested in this. I knew that I'd been called in some way to be a part of this world, this meaning the podcast, the teaching, the coaching, all that jazz. Um, but I just couldn't figure out the right outlet or the right channel um, because I was dominated by trying to maintain my image uh, to the world as like this intellectual nerd person who's just really naturally happy and I don't put any work into it and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was really stuck because I, I, I was truly dominated by this thing. And it wasn't until I started crowdfunding and the cat was out of the bag and I wrote this whole thing and kind of like came out in a way of like, hi, I'm actually this like spiritual woo-woo person and um, I do a lot of work on these things. And um, it wasn't until that cat was out of the bag that this like bizarre world of possibilities opened up. I started going where I felt led and magical coincidences started happening and all of a sudden I started a podcast and people started coming to me and I had to let go of the like, oh my God, like what if they think I'm no longer this like intellectual person? I had to let go of it in order for that to start happening. I think the literal last thing I could have imagined at that time was not only would, would people know that I'm into this stuff, but that I would be literally talking about it every single week on a podcast for freaking thousands of people to hear. Um, 
it turns out that some of my intellectual friends, who I was most afraid would judge me, listen to this podcast. And it also turns out that some of them totally don't get what I'm doing over here. And it's really fine. Um, I was I was paralyzed. And if I had stayed paralyzed, we wouldn't be here doing this whole podcast thing. You wouldn't be listening because I wouldn't have made this. Um, so even me, hi, person that you listen to every week, even this happens to me and even this happens to me about the very thing that we're here doing. Um, and I think that that brings me to my second point, which is basically that it's okay if I have friends who listen to it and they don't get it because nothing anyone says is ever going to fill my the void that I have, this like bottomless pit that I need for validation. Nothing anyone says will ever fill that void. Like really, like it will, the funny thing is that it will actually momentarily felt like it did. It will feel if somebody comes, you know, and, and says, oh man, that was so great. You're so great. I will feel so good and whole and approved of, you know, somebody comes up to me and they say, I really loved that podcast episode or that Instagram post or whatever that thing that you did with that other job with your volunteer, whatever. That was amazing. You're amazing, Annika. Oh my gosh. I, I'm human. I'm going to feel so good about it. I'm going to feel so good and whole and uh, they approve of me and I'm validated and look at me. And then two days later, I'm going to slip back into this obsession of like, oh my God, well, like, how can I post something again so that it's like that good so that I'll get that person to compliment me again? Or like, I need somebody else or like, okay, I need to do the next thing so that this person will compliment me. So it's going to feel really good. And that's what tricks us is that we're like, wait, no, like I did get validated. And then I had this hit of awesomeness, but you'll always slip back in two days later or five days later, or two seconds later into, okay, but how do I get the next one? Okay. How do I maintain this? Okay. How do they validate me again? It's, it's a bottomless pit. If you're in it, you will not stop thinking about it or seeking it because it does feel really good. Uh, but it's like refined sugar or literal, I guess, drugs. It's not sustainable. It's not real. You will constantly spend the rest of your life in a race to get other people to validate you. Um, there, and, and in the process, constraining your creative possibilities of what actually feels right to you. One of my favorite examples of this is um, this amazing, amazing photographer and her name is Jamie Beck, and I found her 10 years ago, I think, on Tumblr, and was following her on Tumblr, and then found her on Instagram, like, a year and a half ago, and I almost didn't recognize the art that she made um, from now, or I almost didn't recognize the art that she makes now compared to what she used to make, and she lived in New York City, and was doing photographs for like Cartier and all these major brands and, you know, making tons of money and doing the whole gowns and galas type of lifestyle. And then a year, year and a half ago, I think maybe, moved to a tiny town in southern France, in Provence, and just dug into her craft. And I'm obviously not inside her head, but to me, it's one of the best examples of the creative possibilities that happen when you stop thinking about what everybody else thinks, when you stop being a part of the New York City rat race. No offense to New York City. I love it. Um, and 
you move away and you start thinking, what is the art that I want to make? What I want to make what feels good to me. What is that? Um, and you stop making it so that other people will like it and, and you start making it because it's what feels right to you. Um, so that kind of brings me to my third point, which is that you have to learn how to validate yourself. And I'm already running out of time. We're already 20 minutes in. Um, and so I'm not going to go as far into this, but the good news is that I've already made a podcast that literally talks about how to do this. It's the self-worth and enoughness, and I'll link to it. Um, but you have to learn how to validate ourselves. Here's the deal, my friends. Just by breathing, you're worthy. Like, in your sheer act of existence in this moment, wherever you are in the world, you are worthy of love, of belonging, of joy, of abundance, of whatever it is that you want. Like, you are worthy of it. And you don't have to do anything to be worthy of it. And you don't have to dress any way to be worthy of it or post Instagrams in any certain way to be worthy of it. You are amazing and you're worthy just in your you-ness. Nothing is ever, nothing you do or say or you are is ever going to make you less worthy of that. And good God, nothing you do or say or are is that ever going to make you more worthy. There's no striving. There's no like, and if I get 700 likes, then I will have arrived. <laughs> or if this company hires me, then I am worthy. Because the thing is, the second you get those 700, you're going to want eight. Second thing is once you get to that company, you'll be there for a year or two, and then you want the next one. Okay? Striving striving can be so great for the right reasons. Like, yes, yes, yes. Set goals. Follow them. Discipline. Oh, my God. Hell yeah. We've talked about excellence. We've talked about mastery. But we don't need to strive for validation from others. We do not need to strive for validation from others. It alienates us from ourselves. When we're living from other people, we are alienated from ourselves. We are alienated from our truth. We're alienated from our identity. You don't need others to tell you that you are worth anything. Okay? You are good and you are whole. And I know that to be true more than anything in the world. That's just a fact. So I'm going to leave you with links to other podcasts so that you can go learn how to do this. And then I'm also going to leave you with a question. And I want you to hit pause on this or as soon as this ends um, and journal some thoughts. And you can journal into your phone, on paper, a napkin, whatever. But I want you to actually like get it in writing, okay? Um, spend maybe two minutes doing this, two minutes tops. Don't text and drive. Um, okay, here's your question. How would you act if you knew not a single person would ever like you again? Nobody's ever going to, and not like have a crush on you like you. Nobody's ever going to like you or approve of you or validate you again. How would you act? I know that's very dark. I know that's like, it's kind of creepy and kind of depressing to think like, oh my God, that would be a terrible life. But bear with me. Um, it's insanely freeing. If you think about how would I act if I knew not a single person would ever like me again, there's literally nothing I could ever do for another person to approve of me ever again. Oh my God. I journaled on this a few months ago and used it to make some of the big pivots in my life that I'm doing now. So just like prepare yourself. Um, how would you act if you knew that nobody would ever approve of or like you again? 
Life is so confusing. It's seriously confusing. Let's not add to the confusion by letting others get to make decisions about who we are and what we're worth. I'm going to say that again. Life is confusing. Let's not add to the confusion by letting others get to make decisions about who we are and what we're worth. Okay? Go out there. You take care of one another. You take care of yourselves. And I will see you next week.